0: From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, going to be joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones uh, in just a bit. But on the phone line, uh, I have one of the people's champ. Yeah, he is one of the people's (laughs) champ. He is the chairman of the People's Legal Aid Project. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ken Coleman to the Public Affairs Podcast. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, sir. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) not not a problem. Hey, man, I mean, you are the people's champ because anybody who has uh, been through the fire, been on the front lines, been through it, know what it's like, and then, you know, to be uh, the head or the lead, in an organization or a movement that speaks to the very thing that you've been through. I mean, that is being uh, the people's champ. So I don't, uh, I don't say that uh, lightly. Um, If you don't mind, please um, tell us your story and, and how you became a part of the people's uh, legal aid project and what it is that, that they do for the folks.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, I'll give you the short version. You know, um, I am one who is a descendant of those who were enslaved in this country. And so, you know, I was brought up with a certain type of uh, zeal, you know, to always seek uh, truth, justice, and freedom, because as Dr. King said, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere, and that rings so true. So, you know, coming up in my life, I've always had that kind of bend towards, towards things. And, of course, as an African-American male, I have experienced some of these discriminations firsthand myself. Uh, I guess that's probably the reason why I decided to go to law school. I finished with uh, from Howard University School of Law, and I, I do have an attorney's license uh, out of D.C. I'm currently living in Houston now. Uh, but, uh, you know, through all of this unrest that we've had with police brutality you know, like you said, you know, we, the people have been right there on the front lines uh, working, trying to make uh, actual change. And so uh, it is unfortunate we have cases where uh, police, some police, the bad police, that's the only one we're talking about, not the good ones. Thank you to all the good ones, by the way. Uh, but some police, unfortunately, still have that uh, mentality that was uh, unfortunately displayed in the slave codes uh, mm-hmm. during chattel. Right. Whereas uh, It was called a casual killing to kill a a so-called black person. You could not possibly receive a first-degree charge on something like that. And also, uh, they were not allowed, whether you were enslaved or free, as a black person, you were not allowed to carry any arms to protect yourself. So, you know, these kind of laws worked hand in hand, you know, to keep um, brutality in the scene. And so you have, unfortunately, some bad police who still act that out today. However, the problem is when they, uh, bad police, uh, kill people in the street, for example, with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, they have a legal defense fund to actually help them out. So we thought it must be important for us, the people, to have a legal defense fund to help us out when a person is wrongfully accused of doing something to the police, whether they didn't do it or whether whether it was actual self-defense. And so that's how a People's Legal Aid Project was born, because we have a case of a young man out of Florida, a young man by the name of Otter Wallace, mm-hmm. who has been charged right now uh, in, uh, in harmony a police officer, and they are seeking his life. Uh, they are seeking the death penalty in this case. And so for us, it just reminds us of those slave codes. You're not allowed to defend yourself, uh, uh, even if uh, the, the person is actually acting illegally against you. And so that's uh, how we came about uh, in dealing with this particular case and want to help many others who go through the same thing. For example, Marvin Guy out of Texas was in his home, much like with the Breonna Taylor situation. He was in his home when the police came bursting in. And of course, you know, he thought it was some burglars, and and so he shot to defend his family. Well, you know, he had been awaiting trial now over seven years for that particular case. So it's a lot of these things that are going around, and we think uh, it'll be best handled And we can save lives on both sides if we have a legal defense fund for the people. And uh, studies show that when a person has competent legal counsel, they are less likely to receive the death penalty. Mm -hmm. And we know how the death penalty right has been overly used uh, in this country and especially against uh, those of us whose ancestors were enslaved in this country. So that's why we are definitely encouraging everyone to please go to o t h a l O-T-H-A-L.org, to show your support. If you have anything to donate, that would be helpful. And if not, then if you could just spread the word and, and share and like the page, and so we can get the word out, and so we the people can fund our own freedom.
0: Yes, indeed. And I and and, and I believe that one begins with knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knowing who you are, where you come from, and realizing that the only law that matters is the common law. You know, the the, the more that I am um, enlightened on how the system is designed and how the system is perpetuated on us uh, Mm -hmm. versus how we can literally get rid of or not have to deal with uh, a lot of these other statutes uh, if we knew who we were, who we are, and how the law is set up. Because there's a difference between what is legal and what is lawful right you know and I, and I, and I, and and since we have been duped and mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> and just and just hypnotized into operating out of our straw man okay mm-hmm. the name that's in all caps on that right on that uh, on that on that birth certificate
1: mm-hmm.
0: um once we realize that and stop acting out of our straw man or on behalf of the straw man, man, listen here, we, Mm -hmm. (laughs) none of this, (laughs) none of this would be, none of this would be necessary. Um, But that's how they get us though. Mm
1: -hmm. That's how they Mm -hmm. get
0: us. They use this, they use legal ease to trap us into situations and contracts Instead of using the English language, and 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 I don't mean to go too deep, but I'm sorry. <laughs> this knowledge needs to be shared. This knowledge has to be shared so we can be free to be free and sovereign, mm-hmm. because we're, we're we're just victims of the system. Even those that are mm-hmm. in the system and that work for the system, you know. Yes. I I wonder how many police officers really realize that. I mean, yeah, it may seem on paper that you may be a public servant to the rest of us, but in actuality, mm-hmm. you are an employee to a corporation as well. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. The, the police department is a corporation. It is. And once we free and, ourselves know, and we get this knowledge, man, I you know, I I just think. It, but things like People's Legal Defense Fund is, is where it, it all um is where it all starts. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What What are your thoughts on, on what I just said? Did I do a lot of people know about that information? What I just said there?
1: Yeah, I, a lot more than you think. Uh, unfortunately, though, they just don't have a a voice. That's why we definitely appreciate you guys being here uh, to be a voice for us, uh, because, you know, I, when I go around into the neighborhoods or whatnot and speak to individuals, I do hear a lot of this talk, but I don't hear it on uh other outlets. It never really goes any further than uh, me talking with the people in the out streets. In
0: the com- oh well, brother, you in the right place because uh, you know I speak nothing but truth to power. This is why I was okay. chosen. This is why I have this platform to, and this is why I use this platform. In all honesty, uh, Mr. Coleman, mm-hmm. um, to yes, sir. to educate and inform us and alert us of things that we do not know. I I am fearless. These folks, these people, they don't scare me. They do not scare me. I am speaking truth to power and I'm sorry, but you have to, things have to be uncomfortable in order to change. That's the only way it's going to, it's going to happen. And the fact that, you know, some folks are waking up, some folks are being, you know, slapped in the face by, you know, being woken up. um, Yeah. It's going to hurt and it's going to be uncomfortable, uncomfortable, but you know what? The truth oftentimes is uncomfortable and offensive, and I don't care whose feelings right. I hurt, as long as mm-hmm. I have uh, 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 planted a seed or at least got you to thinking a little different than what you have been programmed to think or what you've been, what we've been conditioned to believe. What is, if I just got mm-hmm. an inkling for you to think like, oh well, let me look this up and see if this is this, then I've done my job, and 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 that's why we're right. here, brother.
1: Absolutely, unapologetically. Absolutely. I- unapologetically, I agree with you totally. You know, uh, this police culture that we have that allows for our people to be uh, killed in the street, uh, with no real consequences. No. And we are to defend ourselves, you know, it, it came from the, the slave codes to the fugitive slave laws. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the slave patrollers, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the slave law of 1850, that's when they gave the right to every, um, You know other citizen which at that time was not us uh, to you know to come after so-called runaway slaves so that's how you get people like george zimmerman uh who thinks that it's okay uh to kill a young man walking home you know simply walking home right and so you know we see all these things work together the badges that were used on the slave patrol look similar to the badges that are used today and it's unfortunate some of the people go in there trying to really do good trying to really be a public servant but uh, that culture is still there. You know, they have a fraternal order of the police. You know, if anyone has ever joined a fraternity or sorority, you know, you pick who comes into your fraternity or sorority. So that's what happened with this fraternal order of the police. If they started as slave patrollers and Ku Klux Klansmen, you know, it's pretty difficult to get that pattern uh, uh, to change today, but that's like you said, uh, we have to stand up and demand change. And that's what People's Legal Aid Project is all about. OK, we do have a right to defend ourselves against uh, wrongful actions uh, that can hurt our lives. Uh, for for example, look at George Floyd. Now, had uh, a, a big Floyd had the opportunity to get up, mm-hmm. right? We know he would have had to have or anyone around there who wanted to help save his life that day. Uh, it is unfortunate, but those police officers would have had to have been incapacitated. Right. Yeah. But they would have had a APB out on them. You know, uh, and, and and you know, as if he did something wrong, and so that's the narrative we want to change, because we don't want to forget about the people who are survivors of these encounters. Right now, Mr. Otha Wallace is a survivor of this encounter with the police, but they are still trying to take his life with the death penalty. So now we're getting into govern government sanctioned uh, uh, murder, and, and so that's why we want to save his life. And studies show that when a person has adequate and well-compensated counsel, they are less likely to receive the death penalty. And so that's why we encourage everyone to please go to othal.org, O-T-H-A-L dot O-R-G. If we reach enough people, it wouldn't even take that much from each of us. And we can not only help Mr. Wallace but we can help many more and hopefully save lives in the process. That's the end goal, because we're all about saving lives. Life is precious.
0: Indeed. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Mr. Kenny Coleman, the chairperson for the People's Legal Aid Project. Uh, log on to their website, Otho.org. That's O-T-H-A-L dot O-R-G. And uh, read up on this case uh, with Mr. Otho Waddell. Otho Wallace, excuse me, out of uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, for those who may not be familiar, can uh, j- just summarize this young man's case um, for us again.
1: Okay, I'll summarize the case. So the police have a body cam footage of a young man. And if you watch the footage, uh, it appears to be the young man is sitting in his car Uh, at his apartment complex. Apparently, uh, uh, it was his uh, daughter's birthday that day. And so this officer uh, comes up to him. And mind you, this particular officer, uh, once we get information, we found that he was reprimanded before for a bad arrest. He uh, slammed someone's head on the ground, and the guy had a gash and different things. We have the footage of that as well. Uh, This uh, same officer, unfortunately, was also... Riching up for crashing his squad car into two parked cars at a local bar, you know, and he had only been with the force for a, a small amount of time. So uh, he came, this is who came up to the person on that body cam footage, and the police claimed that that person was Mr. Wallace. And from the footage, it seems that the officer starts asking questions to Mr. Wallace, and Mr. Wallace looked concerned. He said, do you live here? Uh, that's what the officer said. And so the person in the video said, you know, why, what's wrong? You know, which is something natural. I would say if someone, come, a complete stranger comes to me asking me, do I live here? Like, is something wrong? Like, why would you ask me, why would you start with a question like that? Uh, and so the officer refused to answer that particular question, and he started radio and uh, Charlie 7-7 or something like that. And so the person in the video uh, uh, decides to walk off, uh, which is your right. If you're not uh, being arrested, if you're not being detained, for a, uh, a, a legal reason, you have that right. And most uh, police officers respect that. You know, they know you have that right. And so, you know, he was like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to deal with this. I have a right. Listen, we don't have rights if we don't stand up for our rights. That's the thing about it. We may have a right to do this and a right to do that. But if any time our rights are infringed, we allow it yeah. to be, then do we really have a right at all? I, so I always say,
0: it, I always say, if you don't know your rights, you don't have any.
1: You don't have any. That's exactly right. I mean, and it's the truth. And it's hard for others to understand, you know, uh, uh, that that issue, but it really is the truth. I know I've been wrongfully arrested on several occasions, uh, um, you know, uh, one time for so-called trespassing at the uh, courthouse where I had a court, <laughs> a court date. I was, <laughs> they told me to come there. And, you know, of course, each time it's thrown out because I did have that right. I just stood on it. So yeah. Mr. Wallace walks away. He's at home. Right, And so uh, at this point where, first of all, the officer already had his hand on him, and so he then he st- preg- begins to start to grab him some more. And uh, you can hear a little bit of a scuffle, and then you, you really can't see that much more from the body cam footage. Long story short, uh, Daytona Beach put out the APB. Uh, the, uh, the, the, chief of police, uh, start calling the young man a coward, saying they were looking for Mr. Wallace. And that's not being uh, impartial to someone who is innocent to proving guilty. You, you, like you said, you're supposed to be a, a servant for the people. Uh, the, all the facts haven't even come out yet, and he's already calling this man a coward. Uh, one of the attorneys we spoke to in trying to find an attorney for Mr. Wallace even stated that, uh, the, the sheriff for the county of Volusia County, uh, is notorious for, uh, uh, ra- racist comments and statements and actions uh, within that department, and a lot of the a lot of the residents of the area. Uh, are when people asked around, they said that particular officer in that incident was known for harassing people, you know, in that area. So here we have a case where um, they claim Mr. Wallace uh, shot the officer. That's what they claim. Mm. Uh, we think that he is not guilty, or he is not guilty by reason of self-defense. But you know, even if you don't. I think like that. The issue is he has a right to a fair trial. Yes, everyone believes that. And so if you believe he does, you know, he is indigent. He cannot afford an attorney for himself to go against the weight of the state. That's why we, the people, are coming together Mm -hmm. to help him. We can help him, then we can help many, many more. You know, we start with one example and we can expand out. And so that's what People's Legal Aid Project is about and uh i hope i explained that that uh, what happened as best as i oh, could oh yeah
0: v- very very yeah. thorough yeah yeah the people's <laughs> the people's legal aid project is 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 definitely definitely needed log on to otho.org that's o t h a l .org uh to help out this young man otho wallace of Daytona beach florida um and to get more information on um p l a p and everything that they've got going on. Real quick, I I just want to share these three books uh, that I've read that really just freed my mind. Um, One is called Meet Your Straw Man and Whatever You Want to Know. The other one is called The UCC Connection, How to Free Yourself from Legal Tyranny. And the last book is called Common Law Handbook for jurors, sheriffs, bailiffs, and justices. Man, those three mm-hmm. books have changed my life and totally changed my outlook on what is law and what is mm-hmm. legal. Mm-hmm. There's a okay. difference. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And and it all begins with the speech of legal ease. Man, mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's, it's a... It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And and if people were to free themselves and free their minds and, and and learn how they continue to get us, and once you realize that, oh, wait, I don't have to have a driver's license to drive. I don't need to pay taxes. Right. I don't have to um, pay this bill. Like once people realize all of this stuff, like it's going <laughs> to people going to get mad. People going to get mad and know that they got. But uh, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. <laughs>
1: You know what I, you know what I say? I say uh, what it is is at this point, we are literally supporting our own enslavement. They, come on, that's and you know what?
0: and we and it has to stop and it has to stop. and I'm glad that the people's legal aid Project are doing things like that. Man, that is our time. Kenny Coleman, the chairman of People's Legal Aid Project, man, thank you so much for coming on and, 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 and uh, sharing your scholarship on this and not being afraid to speak truth to power.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Indeed. Log on to Otho.org. That's O-T-H-A-L dot O-R-G to get more information on the People's Legal Aid Project. My man, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And to those of you listening to the podcast, on behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, we'll be back right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining us in a bit, but as we wait for him to join us on the phone line, do not want to keep this lovely young lady waiting. She is the CEO of AIDS to Victims of Domestic Abuse, also known as AVDA. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Maisha no ladies and gentlemen please welcome Masha Coulter good morning how are you
2: good morning thank you so much for having me I'm doing well good good
0: good tell us about uh AIDS to victim of domestic abuse and and and, and what do you guys call it for short is it do you use the acronym AVDA or we do, do call it we
2: we yes we use the acronym um ABDA we just call it that for short Okay, after. um and Yeah, and ABDA is a nonprofit that's been serving the greater Houston community for the last 40 years. We actually provide free legal representation to survivors of domestic abuse in the family courts. So we help them with divorces, custody, child support, modifications of orders, and we provide the largest number of representation in protective orders, second only to the DA's office. We also have the state's largest battering intervention and prevention program, and those services are available to people who have been identified as abusive in their intimate relationships. Most of them come to us because they have been charged with a crime, a family violence offense, whether that be a misdemeanor or felony, and they're required to take classes. They are psychoeducation classes, and Mm -hmm. they are provided on a weekly basis, um, two hours at a time for 18 weeks minimum.
1: Hmm.
0: And and how long have you all been around, Masha? For,
2: this is our 41st year. Um, we have been around for a long time. Unfortunately, unless you are involved in this situation, um, a lot of people don't know we are here, yeah. but we are serving the community and we're doing it in very unique ways as it relates to the domestic violence community. A lot of people will think about shelters or um, services around, you know, trying to escape violence through housing. But we provide this very direct uh, service and intervention for the abusers. And that's what we have been traditionally doing for all of those 40 years. In addition to that, we've added in the last, I guess, hmm, six or seven years, other programs, education, prevention, um, we do individual counseling and therapy, trauma counseling for uh, adults, survivors, as well as their children who have, have experienced domestic um, abuse in their home.
1: Mm.
0: How Wow. Uh, yeah, never knew that um, you guys existed. But very, very important uh, to know that you all are around and, and offering these services to people. So, Maisha, w- what was it that happened to you or inspired you to start after?
2: So, I actually am not the founder. Um, (laughs) I've been doing the work for 20 years, but I am not a founder. What inspired me to do this work is I um, have a master's in social work, and I came to um, do some work with Child uh, Protective Services when I started with my master's in social work. And I actually worked with a family who had experienced domestic violence at the hand of the father. I had four young boys who I did um, family reunification therapy with after their father killed their mother, and I worked with them for almost a year when I was in graduate school, Mm -hmm. and that was the sort of impetus for me to continue to do that work because I learned so much about Mm -hmm. domestic abuse, about myself, um, about how it impacts families, and the fact that it is so commonplace um, for a lot of people, but it lives in secrecy and fear and shame, and that's how it continues to be so pervasive in our community and in our society. So I wanted to make inroads on changing that dynamic because I felt like I had a impact on the, that family, and I certainly felt like they had an impact on me personally. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my uh, segue into working with uh, abuse populations, specifically families that deal with domestic abuse.
0: And do you keep in contact with these uh, four boys who inspired you <laughs> yes, to get into that,
2: this? Yes, that's the other thing. So grandma, um, the boys, they're adults now. I mean, long ago um, they they reached adulthood. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a it's a family that impacted me so much so that I still communicate with them to this day.
0: That is amazing. That's amazing. Um, We understand that last month, February, was Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. First of all, just the fact that we have a Teen Dating Violence mm. Awareness Month uh, is beyond me. Uh, yeah. Me coming up, and I'm a man of a certain age, uh, but my adolescent years were, you know, in the mid-late 90s. Um Never knew that we would need a teen dating violence uh, awareness uh, thing yeah. to go on. Like this is this is this is this is wild to me. Um, what are some of the issues? And I don't know if this is rhetorical or not. I guess uh, what are teenagers doing that is mm-hmm. allowing them to have the, like that dating violence has to be yeah. something that they have to think about in their young adolescent years of just becoming a teenager and, you know, thinking that you met someone special and going yeah. out on dates and falling in love, and now you got to think about if they're going to bop you upside the head. Like, what is really going on here, Misha?
2: Yeah, it is an unfortunate uh, f- phenomenon, but it it is teenagers actually modeling what they see oftentimes. We have a number of teenagers that experience intimate par- partner violence as early as you know preteen all the way up through 1920 um so we that's the age range we're talking about in fact in tw- well from 2018 to 2020 13 people in Harris County be- between the ages of 15 and 22 lost their life at the hand of an intimate partner um, what they are experiencing is Uh, the signs that people should be thinking about. Extreme jealousy, possessiveness, um, physical violence, whether that be physical assault, sexual uh, assault, um, and this is going on in these relationships. What we know is that oftentimes, like I said before, domestic violence festers in secrecy and shame, and this is even more um a difficulty that teenagers face they 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 mostly communicate with their peer group they're very seldom going to communicate with an adult parents don't realize that their kids are actually in dating relationships and if they are they certainly don't suspect that they're in relationships where violence and aggression is happening to their child and if that that is happening they don't often know what to do, what resources are available to help them help their children. Mm.
0: That part, I can, I can see that. Well, first of all, let me say to everyone listening, be it um, a teenager or an adult, Mm -hmm. when getting into situations, first of all, nobody can make you happy, but you. So if you're looking for happiness outside of yourself, You're already going about it all wrong. You have to look inside yourself first and find that happiness within you first. And once you have that, then when you vibrate on a certain frequency, you will attract what it is that you are seeking. But if you are seeking for someone else to validate you, to complete you, to make you happy, you're already starting off wrong because that work starts from within. So look at yourself first. And if you get into a situation and things don't feel right in your in your heart, in your mind, in your gut, get out. Don't wait to find out what will happen. You you have that feeling for a reason. Realize that really your gut that is your first brain. So when your gut is telling you something, you listen to that thing and um, watch you get out of a lot of. Situations. I just wanted to say that because you know, dating violence like that's that's wild. That's wild. You're just now meeting somebody. You're on day three, and you already got to, you know, worry about being assaulted, or they, or they will try something slick on you. You know, yeah. You know that that's wild. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We are talking to Misha Coulter, the CEO. Of uh, AVDA, which is an acronym for Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse. Um, This team, Dating Violence, um, we have witnessed uh, the recent enactment of the uh, Texas Senate Bill number nine that requires public schools uh, to educate students uh, about abuse. And then uh, February as being a part of a teen dating violence uh, awareness month and activism, you all were reaching out to school districts and educating the public on why and how uh, to comply with these new requirements. How um, is that going? And, and, and what does this Texas Senate bill number nine uh, look like? Exactly.
2: So it is an effort on the part of the Senate um, and or the legislature to um, obligate the schools to have uh, curriculums that will educate their students about domestic violence, child abuse, human trafficking. So it is to some degree an expansion of already existing um, requirements that um, were already in the um, education code. Uh, What it should do is give the um, schools an opportunity to evaluate what they're what they're teaching and how they're teaching, um, and also to give them an opportunity to revamp systems that that have gone sort of dormant or maybe not necessarily being as active as they can be. Unfortunately, when legislation passes, especially on this broad scale as you know every school district in the state of Texas, everybody sort of has their own interpretation of what to do and how to respond. And what we were trying to do and what we encourage is for for school districts to get on the same message, to find curriculums that will speak to the age um, um, and the ears of the listeners, which are our our children, and to get them in a position where they use the types of curriculums that will help the youth who talk to them amongst themselves to help each other be accountable and to learn about what dating violence really is and how it is impacting them and their peer groups.
0: Mm. We love that. And so far, how has it been going? What has been the, um, the reaction? So So
2: we are we are pleased to find that there are some school districts that have jumped on this opportunity. Um, Our agency has had conversations with some of the schools that we were already involved with. So Fort Bend ISD has done a remarkable job of making sure to be aware of the changes. The School Health Advisory Council at that particular district is on it. They are already looking at curriculum updates and trying to find the best material that's gonna, again, speak to the population. We've made efforts and in inroads with um, trying to speak to other school districts that we are involved with. ABDA, um, fortunately, we don't just work with the public schools, we work with private schools as well, parochial programs, um, charters. Um, so we're in, you know, YES Prep and um, Straight Jesuits. We're we're already um, available with real resources for those schools to actively seek um, an evidence-based curriculum that has all of the right bells and whistles to attract the youth. Um, And so our our agency is basically saying, we already have something for you. Approve this, and we'll come in and we'll share it with you at no cost to you. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of effort that we are making to undergird what this um, legislation does, and hopefully we'll continue to make inroads Um, with our existing partners but we'll also have opportunities to engage with um you know school districts that we've not necessarily been in front of before Um, hoping to again spread the message as much as we possibly can especially as it relates to domestic violence there's more to the um the bill again it's about child abuse human trafficking and some other topical things but all of it is a conversation that is necessary for youth to um, be having with adults who are, you know, able to be responsible and responsive to the true needs of, of the um, population.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure that the other school districts uh, will jump on board without a doubt, because um, if this is becoming a thing, I know that they want to get yep. ahead of this and, and, you know, be in front of it before it becomes um, a thing. With your um, expertise in these things, especially with victims of domestic abuse, Um, what are, and, and, and this can be across the board, uh, be it from, uh, domestic violence in the home with an adult to, um, the awareness that we are putting on our children with, um, teen dating violence. Uh, What are some of the small things like something very small and minuscule that one wouldn't even pick up on until it is too late? Because a lot of times, um, These people uh, who Mm -hmm. um, engage in this kind of behavior, they're predators. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's a slow drip and and, and, and it just starts off very, um, just just very methodical. And then before it's too late, an individual is in a situation and they they didn't even realize that they were in it until it's too late. So what are some of the small things that they should look for? Um, when
2: being one in one of the situation. critical things that, that people should look for, and this is adult and youth populations that are being victimized, is change in social habits. So if you had a family member or if you have a child who has changed their uh, socialization, they no longer go to hang out with um, all of their peers. They're isolated with their abuser or their intimate partner, meaning that they, you know, I'm not going to this, I'm not going to that anymore. They start to change how they interact with individuals. And it is after they have gotten involved with that that person. That is a key and critical thing. One of the things that abusers do is they isolate and they make the person who they are involved with intimately believe that they're the only person that cares about them, that they need to be prioritizing. And that is from the adult to the youth. And if you start to see that type of behavior, if you start to see patterns of real change in terms of the socialization of an individual, you need to question that. There's a family member that used to always go to the family reunions or the events and things like that, and you no longer see them, or they last-minute no to everything, and it's not COVID-specific, then you should be very concerned. You should be very concerned. I know we've had some, some changes around socializing um, due to the pandemic. But domestic violence is another pandemic that exists, and that is one of those critical but small things that people may not necessarily pick up on until it's gotten far too um, out of hand.
0: Mm. That's that's a good one, a very prevalent one. Um, you can log on to their website. You, you guys have a slew of um, education and outreach programs, um, all kinds of events. Um, give your website for people to sure. go and just learn more um, about
2: AFDA. wwwavda txorg And our main number is 713-224-9911. Um, and again, the services that we provide in regard to victims are at no cost to them. So you get an attorney at no cost to you. Um, the BIP services are with a cost. Again, most of the people who come to BIP are coming to us as a, as a result of being put on probation, uh, deferred adjudication or coming out of a parole situation where they're required to, to take those classes and they do have to pay. It's a part of the accountability that they are being taught when they come to, uh, to the BIP program.
0: Okay. Okay. Indeed. Any last words for the, for the people, share I mean, this is just, uh. I'm sure you guys are going to get a slew of, of, of calls and inquiries after the airing of this, because uh, for us to be tapped into the community as well as we are, and uh, this being the first time of us hearing of ABDA, I'm sure there are um, people who are in situations that could definitely um, use you all's help.
2: Well, we, we welcome all inquiries. We certainly welcome anyone who needs our type of assistance. And, um, we want people to know that they are not alone and that there are plenty of resources out there and in order to really escape violence they have to make the affirmative step they have to do something for themselves but we will advocate and walk with them throughout their process of leaving these dangerous situations we want the numbers of fatalities in our city and our county to go down we do not want to continue to be the leading you know county in the state of texas when it comes to intimate partner fatalities whether that be from teenagers to adults we you know harris county leads no matter what and we want that number to change so we we know we stand in the gap of really getting people out of these situations a full divorce real child support you know relief that they might need to help them keep away from that person going forward that's what we provide and so i'm just Humble to do this work, and I hope that, that people are hearing our message, and we are not a secret. We want people to know that we're out here and ready to help.
0: Indeed. Thank you so much for your time. Maisha Coltier. Wait, did I, Coltier? I'm, I'm making up French words of, of your last <laughs> name. <laughs> Maisha Colter, the CEO of Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you. Pleasure to speak with you today.
0: Indeed. And on behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth, and we will see you next week. Enjoy your Sunday.